Hello, and welcome back to the Living in Jesus podcast. My name is Ross O'Hare, and uh, with us today we have Greg Cleland. How are you doing today? Great, Ross. Great privilege to be here. Good. Greg is our counselor here at CFT. He's also our director for our Freedom from Addictions program. He also has been involved in jail ministry for the last three years, so it's really great to have you. Today we're going to be talking about the cost of believing lies. And, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot here at CFT is the difference between lies and truth and how the truth sets us free. Mm Mm-hmm. And so the reality is that they are opposites. They're so different from each other and that we have a different experience of them in our lives when we believe a lie or believe the truth. The truth of God's grace is a reality that sets us free from a life of sin. And on the opposite side of this, lies cause death to relationships and a death to our freedom and joy. And this pain and this hopelessness can a lot of times lead to addiction or pain or heartache in our lives. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how the lies have impacted your life? Well, the lies have impacted me in, in a very profound way. Yeah. They started to really set in following graduation from high school. Oh, okay. You know, up until that point, I perceived that I could meet my needs for acceptance and self-worth sure. through my effort, through my performance, mm-hmm. uh, and in particular through athletics, and even more in particular through football. Mm. And so throughout my upbringing, I performed well in athletics, mm. modestly well, but well enough yeah. to meet these needs or are perceived to have met these needs in yeah. my own effort. And upon graduation from high school, yeah. I played my last football game as a 185-pound offensive center <laughs> okay. who never ran less than a five-second 40. There you go, yeah. So, I mean, the resource that I was relying on, football, yeah was no longer available. Mm. And and that sent me down a self-destructive path. Yeah. And uh, consequently, I struggled with self-hatred and self-loathing because my ability to generate my needs for acceptance and self-worth was no longer available. Yeah, so you're playing football, and out of that came these accolades and this kind of just this mm-hmm. everybody looking at you mm-hmm. and saying, hey, you're great at this, you're doing great, mm-hmm. and then it's taken away. And so that lie is exposed, that you can meet your own need. Right. And again, like you said, what were the specific lies that really broke through in those moments? Well, something was fundamentally wrong with me, Ross. You know, as I was watching my peers, Mm. I saw them excelling academically and Mm. even athletically. A lot of my friends went on to play college football and and make a name and reputation for themselves Mm. in that regard. And I was a marginal student, and I didn't have athletics anymore. Mm. And so I struggle with inferiority, insecurity. Yeah, so those lies, obviously, when you see real-world evidence around you that these lies might be true, yes, it has a profound impact on people, right? Mm-hmm. And so obviously you, you see the effects of you know, not being a great student and not being able to play athletics anymore, mm-hmm. and those lies ring truer and truer and louder and louder, I'm sure, in your mind. Mm-hmm. What were those days like? Well, I mean, I really struggled with self-loathing, self-hatred, and consequently I was left to my own devices Mm. in terms of masking or struggling with those self-destructive emotions Mm. that we talked about, inferiority, insecurity, inadequacy, having belief about myself that that something was fundamentally wrong with me. And that's when I went to drugs and alcohol. And because my existing lifestyle was not fulfilling. That's mm. when I actually lapsed into a sexual addiction as well. Yeah. So dealing with a lot of different addictions that really kind Absolutely. of... Absolutely. I'm sure took over for a while. And what were those years like? What were they like for you emotionally, mentally, to be dealing with those lies and the effects of your addictions? Man, there was 
Uh, boy, I think I lived in a constant state of desperation and despair mm. because I was just wasn't measuring up. Yeah. And so what kind of effect did the drugs and alcohol and sexual addictions have on that? Like, how did those actually, did they work? <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't work. Yeah. You know, it just added like insult to injury yeah. because they would give you a momentary sense of relief or fulfillment. Mm. But when the moment dissipated, you're left wanting. Yeah. And what does a sexual addiction say about me as a person? Mm. You know, and then, of course, because I had such a, a low self-esteem, if you will, mm-hmm. I mean, even asking a girl out on a date was uh, mortifying because mm. of the possibility of experiencing rejection. Mm. Yeah. Well, and, you know, this is like real life. I mean, one yeah. of the things that this really brings to my mind is everybody struggles with believing lies and... I think at some point in time, we all struggle with the idea of not measuring up or that there's something wrong with us, or mm-hmm. because of obviously the world, real world experiences, we're not perfect at everything. We, we don't measure up as the best in maybe even one category, you know, not even to say a lot of categories. So mm-hmm. for you to experience that, I feel like it's a common thing that a lot of people experience. Obviously, the way you chose to deal with it was your unique way. Mm-hmm. But with all those addictions and all the lies just overwhelming you for all Mm -hmm. these years, what finally began to break the hold of the lies and the addictions in your life? Well, you know, it came paradoxically. Uh, I was, uh, my drug use uh, sent me down a self-destructive path where I was lapsed into a psychosis Mm. and consequently was diagnosed with bipolar, Mm. which was adding insult to injury. Sure, right. And just, again permeating that lie in your mind. That right. Something wrong uh, with you. Yeah. Right. And, you know, so basically I lived an aimless, shiftless existence trying to find meaning and purpose, ultimately through education and vocation. And so I think God, you know, us better right. than we know ourselves. <laughs> yes, and sure. he kind of used my bent, if you will, okay. to try to establish a name and a reputation vocationally. Mm. And I pursued education to try to reinvent myself, essentially, in doing ministry. I had reached the end of myself, and I asked God, I guess, at the age of 39, this is going back in 2004, Mm -hmm. you know, to, God, I can't do it. I've tried everything I can possibly do in my own strength, and I can't do it anymore. Would you please take control of my life? And God really, I think he was waiting for me to reach out to him. Sure. And then he answered my call and providentially led me to Georgia. Long story, so we don't need to go into that, but here I am in Georgia and then working for a pest control service mm. in the area. And I was actually excelling at the job, but with every promotion within the position, I hated the job more and more. Mm. But the only thing that was on my mind is go to the seminary. And I'm like, go to the seminary? Mm. That means going to school. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, as you talked about the lies and the addictions and how even being a believer at that time, how those things must have been very difficult to process as if you see yourself as someone who believes in God and believes that Jesus is our Savior, Mm -hmm. and yet living that kind of lifestyle, how did that play out for you? Yeah, uh, like, am I a hypocritical Christian? Mm. I mean, Christians don't do the things that you're doing. You know, of course, that's spilling out in my relationship with my wife, it's just... You know, we're talking how it spills out mm-hmm. into our relationships and the reactions I'm getting from my wife and, and how I'm perceiving myself to be is I'm sowing, essentially sowing what I'm reaping, mm. and it just has me caught in this self-destructive loop. Yeah, yeah. And then you said God uses your bent against you mm-hmm. to kind of break through. You got to the end of yourself and 
kind of cried out to God? And then how did that begin to change things? Well, you know, I was in the seminary, actually was pursuing a graduate degree in biblical counseling, mm. you know, because I had a passion to help people not only with, with substance abuse, but also dealing with mental illness because I was labeled as such. Mm. And so I just gravitated to pursuing a graduate degree in biblical counseling, and we had to do an internship. And as it turned out, I did my internship right here at CFT. Mm. And the internship was the ADT class. That was the internship. And so how did God address the lie specifically that there was something wrong with you, and how did that begin to set you free to where you are today? Well, you know... The verse that really had me view my situation from a philosophical perspective was John 8, 31 through 32, where Jesus speaking to his disciples at that time, these Jewish disciples, he says, you're my disciples if you remain in my teachings, and you're going to know the truth, and the truth is going to set you free. So I began to process that philosophically and realize, well, if the truth sets us free, Mm -hmm. then before we're free, it stands to reason we're in captivity. Yeah. And if the truth sets us free from captivity, it's logical to conclude we must be in captivity to a lie, right, yeah. which really begs the question, what is the lie that we are in captivity to that we must be released from in order to be to yeah. live free? Yeah. And the lie is that if what I know and understand is self-determined hmm. based upon what I identify with materialistically, sensually, circumstantially, I'm left to conclude something that's true about myself that's not true, that I could be self-existing, self-preserving, and self-helping. Thus, we become a... leads to a life of self-dependency, which is ultimately, I need revelation from God to know that I'm living from that lie that is basically setting me up for a self-defeating existence. That I don't even recognize it as such until my dependencies ultimately produce dependency issues, and then a subsequent lifestyle is generated as a means of maintaining them that right. ultimately puts me at the end of myself. Yeah, yeah. So again, the, what you're saying is basically the lies that you're believing mm-hmm. and the lies that you can live life your own way, even the lies that there's something wrong with you. Again, any mm-hmm. type of lie that you can believe don't really come to the forefront until we feel the effects of them in our lives, until yes. we see that they're bankrupt. And at that point in time, like you did, we usually cry out to God and say, help, <laughs> yeah. right? we need you at this point in time. So in that, you cried out to God, he began to help and work in your life mm-hmm. to, to show you your life of self-dependency or right. the lies that you don't measure up, that there is something wrong with you. Right. And as those truths begin to take effect, that there is nothing wrong with you, that right. you're fearfully and wonderfully made right. just the way you are, how has that changed your life and how has that gotten to where you are today? Well... You know, I love what it says in John 1, 16, of his fullness, we've all received grace upon grace. And I didn't identify with grace, Mm. and I was living a self-fulfilling life. And so when I came to grace, that missing component, that missing piece that completes us was realized in the person of Christ, Mm. and I embraced it as my reality, Yeah, and that set me free by accident. <laughs> <laughs> Why by accident? Because my attempts to try to to free myself mm-hmm. only make no effect yeah. the gospel in my life and just reinforce the same approach to living which 
gave birth to my problems yeah, in the yeah. first place. Yeah. So how have you seen this play out in your day-to-day life today? Well, because of Christ, and because I'm knowing that God's love for me, that His grace for me is all sufficient, that He's going to sustain me irregardless of what I'm enduring. Mm. And presently, I'm going through a pretty challenging time. Mm. I've been diagnosed with end-stage kidney failure, and now I'm on the organ transplant program. In fact, me and my wife went to Emory Hospital yesterday Mm. to start the process, and they had to take some tests, and as a result of the test, it was revealed that my kidneys are functioning at 15%. Now, that's... That's not good. That's not good. Mm -hmm. And so how do I deal with that? Well, the reality is I just have to surrender to God's ability to sustain me and help me through anything I should go through. Mm. In fact, in many respects, these fiery trials work for my benefit, as we said, in a paradoxical way, yeah. because it just evidences, as you, the word you use, I think that's a good word, by the way, yeah. is that we are vulnerable, needy, and dependent creatures. Yeah. Regardless of what we're perceiving about ourselves, that doesn't change that reality. Mm. And when we go through these challenging times, it, it's just a reminder, Greg, you're vulnerable, needy, and dependent. Mm. And you are going through a very challenging, (laughs) needy time, and I'm going to have to be God to you right now. Well, I I think it's amazing that your mindset on that, because we all go through extraordinary times, as you Mm -hmm. deemed it, and that's true. This is an extraordinary time for you. But I think what's great is we don't know what the outcome of this is going to be for you. We really don't. But we know God's good, and I see that in what you're communicating, what you're saying, is that you're trusting Mm -hmm. God through this, no matter the outcome. And that's a testament to your faith and what God has done in your life and how you have clinged to the truth that there's something physically wrong going on with you right now. And as we talked about earlier, you know, like there was the lie that you believe that there's something wrong with you. Yes. But we're talking spiritually and who you are as a person. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you, mm-hmm. even though your kidneys are failing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? And, yes. Yeah. And so I just think it's amazing to see that play out for you and the faith that you're showing. I know it's difficult, but the faith that you're showing is really Mm -hmm. a testament to that. So again, thanks so much for sharing that. I really appreciate it. If you had one takeaway for someone listening to this podcast about truth and lies, what would you tell them? I would say the most important thing we can do in life is to embrace the reality that there's nothing we can do apart from God. Mm -hmm. And, you know, coming to terms with that is a painful process. And I love what it says in 1 Peter 5.10. It says, The God of all grace who's called you to himself through his eternal glory will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you Hmm. after you've suffered for a little while. (laughs) Well, what causes suffering is trying to perfect yourself. And that's going to bring about misery necessarily because that's, that's outside of God's prescription for living. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. It's outside of the way God designed reality to work. And mm-hmm. sometimes we have to run into that reality a few times and bang our head before we get it. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> That's right. Greg, thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing all that, sharing your story, and really giving us a great example of what it looks like to believe the truth. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you, Ross. Absolutely. Thank you. And thanks to everybody for listening to this week's episode of the Living in Jesus podcast, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. The Living in Jesus podcast is a production of Christian Families Today and is produced and edited by Ross O'Hare and Ben Brezina. Christian Families Today is a nonprofit discipleship counseling, training, and coaching ministry 
focused on equipping men, women, and children in how to build biblically healthy lives and families. You can visit our website at cftministry.org to find information about our ministry, the Living in Jesus study, and other free resources. If you are encouraged by this podcast, it would really mean a lot to us if you could take a minute and leave us a review. This podcast and all our free content is made available because of the generosity of people just like you from around the world. Until next week, thank you and God bless.